It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Towery, broadcasting from the beautiful TAMP offices of the national law firm Hall Booth Smith. And I'm with the bow tied with himself, pollster Robert Cahaley. And this is Polling Plus. We are getting closer and closer to the Iowa caucus. And guess what, Robert? What is that, Matt? I, I wonder, I'm just thinking, what, what, what could Matt have to say? What, what new could Matt have? All right, I a new insider that. advantage poll in Iowa. Oh, yeah. okay then. And our well, listeners I, I, are going to be the first to hear it <laughs> because it's hot off the presses and I've just gone off over the crosstabs. So right now, we have Trump uh, in our poll at 49. We have uh, Nikki Haley and DeSantis tied at 17 each. And then Ramaswamy has five. I think Christie has three. And the rest are undecided. But the interesting thing about our poll, Robert, is that you and I are one of the few who have Trump under 50%. And I, That's right. We've talked about the traditions of the Iowa caucus. And I went back and did a little review as a setup. I went back and did a little review of Iowa in the years I polled it. I polled it since 2000, but you can't, you can't find the information online um, beyond uh, about 2004. But what I found in polling it, and we had a pretty damn good record. I mean, we, we missed a couple by like a point. But generally speaking, we were you know, equal to or better than the consensus. But one of the things I've found is that the Iowa caucus is never the blowout that the polls show it is going to be. Um, for instance, in 2016, Ann Seltzer, who is the gold standard in Iowa, we've already talked about that, and she has Trump way up. What, I think what she have, her upper 50s or something like that, or some incredible number. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Is she the one that's um, NBC News, the one register? That's her, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, she's got Trump 51 to 19 DeSantis. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, she's not too far from us. But in 2016, the gold standard blew it big. And she went back and others went back and said, okay, what was wrong? And look, I've blown polls. You've blown polls. I'm not putting it down because she just generally does do a great job in Iowa because that's her home state. She knows it well. But – what happened were two things in 2016. Evangelicals ended up being a much higher, according to the exit polls, much higher percent of the turnout uh, to the caucuses than expected, 62%. So that's number one, and they were going for Cruz. Number two, a lot of people changed or made up their mind the night before the vote, and most pollsters, including, I think, Ms. Selzer, had ended their, their polling because she had to report for a newspaper there. And at that time, print was the big deal. So I think that in, in polling, we, you learn from not only your own mistakes, but other pollsters. And in this case, um, I'm, I took a very careful look at how evangelicals are voting, Robert, and the division is virtually non-existent. Trump, 49 overall. With evangelicals, he's at 47. So that tells me that— Which would definitely—yeah, yeah, because— 
that goes against kind of the narrative that's out there that the uh, Sanders has kind of built this machine among the evangelicals. Right. Right. And and then the second issue is we asked how many people in the surveys were were willing to change their vote or were they locked in? About thirty four percent said they would consider changing to another candidate if there were some reason to. The rest said they're pretty much locked in. So, you know, these numbers will shift a little bit. And as I said before, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said before, um, I expect that this will get tighter. I don't think Trump is going to be over 50%. And I think he is making a mistake. This is my advice to the Donald Trump campaign, not that they would ever take any advice that I give them. And that is <laughs> quit bragging about being so high in the polls and start lowering expectations so the media cannot shred you to pieces if you end up at 45, which I think is where you had him in your poll, and I think that's more like where he'll end up being. It, rather than... Right, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Our, our poll was the at the beginning of December, which is a little bit distance from the one you have. We had him at 45, DeSantis at 22, and Haley at uh, 19. Right. So that that kind of there's not a lot of wavering between where our numbers are and yours. I mean, like two, three points of the most in right. any direction. Right. So I think that, and I, and I think our spread is almost exactly the same as yeah. the margin. Yeah. And that that's the key is that he, you're right. He he just needs to back off a little bit. Um, you know, the thing is, I realize it is the nature to to brag about doing well. well especially if you're but Trump. I just, <laughs> I think, and I think that's I think that's great months out, right? But with you, when you get them within weeks of an election, I think you should probably back that off. Yeah, and uh, so our poll did show a little bit of momentum for Nikki Haley in the sense that she has gained ground on DeSantis in our own polling, and was right at the tipping point of of going slightly ahead of him. Now I don't know if that's you know I have not bought this concept that the media is trying to sell that Nikki Haley has this huge head of steam uh, nationally because the national polls just aren't bearing that out. There's been no real change. And if you look at the Iowa numbers, there's been no real discernible change either. So I, she's come up a bit because she was really not in, in, the, in the race for a while in Iowa. But as she's one of the three candidates most talked about, then she's coming up. So I don't well, know if we have a... Per, per, per yeah. example mm-hmm. of that, Matt, yeah. was this weekend on Friday Night Live they, they, you know, during the news segment, right. they did the thing where they said, Chris Sununu has endorsed Nikki Haley. And the rest of the country wants to know who Chris Sununu <laughs> is. is. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's like it kind of reinforcing this is a New Hampshire story. Right. And, and this momentum will be felt most in New Hampshire. Yeah. And, and to me, New Hampshire is going to be a one and done because. What New Hampshire has in common with South Carolina, you can tell me, I don't think much. Um, and I think that, that that's going to be sort of a wake-up call along with the many, many other um, primaries that, that, that follow and caucuses that, that follow after that uh, in, the, in these major states where Trump has a huge head of steam. But let, let's move on to a little bit more polling discussion. New York Times-Siena. Um, has a poll out. Most of the polls that I've seen recently nationally have shown Trump beating Biden by anywhere to, you know, one to three or four points. 
uh, in a mythical general election uh, contest. But New York Times Santa showed Biden still up 47-45, despite their poll showing that Biden's approval rating was 39% and his disapproval was way into into the 50s. So little question there as to how that happens, but... And, and let's we'll talk about that first. I mean, I, I sort of you have some theory about that as to why we might be seeing these numbers right now in this in this times poll. Yeah, I, I feel like that for a while. I mean, first of all, you have to accept the idea that media polling has a little bit of bias built into it. Uh, media and liberal universities. Well, they certainly think and, that we and, do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so we're going to since since they assume we have put our biases in ours, we're going to assume they have some bias, right? And so let, let let's say they can move this thing, of, you know, a couple of points here, a couple of points there. Well, it seems to me that they've spent the last six months with polling trying to convince Biden and to convince people to push Biden out of the race. And this, to me, is the first sign that they have just given up on trying to get him out of the race. And now they're trying to build him back up. Well, let me just say this. So I don't. I'm not suggesting the Times plays with their numbers, per se, because I think most post- pollsters don't. But there are judgment calls that have to be made as to how much you're going to weight uh, younger voters, how much – a lot of things about how the questionnaire is done. Um, and that can always change the impact of a poll a little bit, whether it's intended to or not. But let me tell you the thing. In defense of the New York Times seeing a poll. They have one thing in their poll that I have been harping about forever with Republicans and you, who you agree with me, but they will never listen. And that is that they have lost the base that used to be the centerpiece of the Republican Party. And that, that's people 65 and, and older. In this particular instance, Biden, in this particular demographic, in this poll, Biden's at 52%, Trump's at 41%. Now, I <laughs> I don't care how they might have a little difference in the way they ask a question or how they, what degree they weight something. When you get to a, a subsection like this, a subgroup, it's pretty clear. And I, I'm sure it's filled with a lot of older, older white folks who tend to be the ones who are most upset with Trump, believe it or not. But what is the problem? And I'll tell you what I think the problem is, but what is the problem that Republicans have with this 65 and older crowd? Well, first, I agree with you, Matt, that regardless of how you might think that the end of a poll might be weighted a little bit one way or the other, uh, a tab like this is just what it is. So I, I put a lot, of my, a lot more stock in it, so as you do as right. well, that this is significant. But I'll, I'll tell you what I think what we're looking at is we're looking at kind of the fading away of the silent generation and the great great generation voters uh, who were most conservative and the replacement of them as seniors with baby boomers who already kind of tended liberal. And frankly, uh, don't take this wrong. Some baby boomers uh, a little more selfish than the previous generations. And so it comes about what these people are living better uh, in their old age and certainly their previous seniors and traveling more and, and not giving up on life experiences. And so it's, it's money. Yeah. It's money in the bank. That's what matters to them. Yeah. And, and, and to some extent, they also are voting on image. They are more, it's interesting 
that I say this, but I, I've I've noticed that the the older individuals who fall into this category, sixty five and older, a lot of them were their first in the, in their families to get a college education. They were baby boomers. They view themselves as intelligent and sophisticated and traveled and whatever. And that combined with the fact that they're probably going to be the last generation that has real life savings and IRAs and retirement plans and whatever else. And because they were, they weren't a generation that, that just blew all their money or, you know, they, it was a more traditional bringing up. They tend to not worry as much. And so to me, the Republican party spends too much time trying, trying to, you know, deal with the, the, oh, they always want the youth vote. Oh, we got to get them out in the colleges and this, that, and the other. I got news for you. You can give up on that. Um, where the Republicans need to be working their policy now, not, you know, two months before the election, is on what are you going to do for people 65 and over? You know, what are you going to deliver? And I think you remember, Robert, in, in 2022, I said the Republicans should come out and say they're going to increase the benefits of Social Security and increase the benefits that senior voters get because they paid, worked, and earned it. And let the young bucks uh, who get the free education, the college goodies that, that Biden wants to give you, cut all that crap off and give it to the older folks. Because you're not going to get I, I th- you're not going to get their vote, and and that that made plenty of sense to me because the thing is, you've got all this when these people on fixed incomes were really um, and when not not even even the ones that are upper end fixed incomes, they had their budget set up and the inflation was affecting them and it was almost like nobody was caring that it affected them. Right now, it it might be the difference between whether they get to go to. Uh, uh, on a long vacation uh, or cancel one of them this year, but some, they still felt right, it, and they weren't happy about it. And they see all this attention to everyone else, and and it it really is a, a sense that last time in twenty twenty you also had this kind of the COVID overlay, right. but by twenty twenty two it 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 was back it was back to what can you do for me? right, and, and Republicans seem very fixated on everything but that. And that doesn't make a lot of sense because that's where strength is. And with the youth vote, basically it, the Republican position ought to be, you ought not vote for Biden uh, and, and disenchant them. But certainly they're spending way too much money trying to win them over when they're either going to be won over because they want something different than what they've got. And Republicans don't need to spend money to get that or they're not going to be won over, and they just need to be not enthusiastic. By the way, I noticed that Barack Obama is now cutting ads with Joe Biden. And I have a theory about this. And my theory, because he's already, he was already quoted this weekend as saying, boy, this isn't looking good. And I always told you that if Biden is going to be removed, it's going to be Obama who pulls the plug, right? Because he really runs the Democratic Party, let's face it. He's the king, no king of it. So my theory is he's doing these ads to try to help Joe uh, bolster his numbers, for example, in the African-American community where they've been fairly weak, particularly among men um, and others. 
Uh, because one of the, the ads they did was about the Affordable Care Act, uh, where Biden says it's still a BFD. Well, you know, sort of funny. But I think that the way this rolls is this. Obama does these ads, done, he quote, done everything he can. And two months from now, three months from now, the numbers are as bad as they look. You say, look, bro, I've been helping you. I've been doing everything I can. You can't make it. And at that point in time, nobody can point a finger at Obama and say, well, you, didn't, you, you let him down. You left him out there on his own. That having been said, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk still about Biden. Can he be removed, not be removed? We've got the impeachment thing going on right now, which is, by the way, as you point out very accurately, it is an impeachment inquiry. Now, yeah, that's what's driving me crazy yeah. is when you w- listen to the news, they they keep they keep talking about this like you can't believe they voted it, voted for this impeachment. Right. Impeachment. Wait a minute. Now, you're, you're a lawyer. You can probably explain the difference between an impeachment investigation and an impeachment. I mean, what would you do if you had to parallel those with something else in the law? What would you say? Uh, the inquiry would be when you're gathering um, evidence before um, you uh, actually seek an indictment. The impeachment itself would be seeking the indictment, and then the trial would be in the Senate. But they had to get to this step to be able to have more heft in their subpoenas and in their power and whatever. Um, the thing I would say about this is I have two things to say about the impeachment matter. One, it, is, it continues to be a disjointed mess. I don't think the Republicans, and I, I spent time with two Republican Congress members, small gathering here, and both very impressive. I won't say their names right now because I'm going to brag about them in future podcast, but I will say one thing. To listen to them talk, you can tell that they live in a bubble where they all just talk to each other. I mean, their biggest concern are their various divisions they have within the Republican conference. In other words, the Main Street conference, uh, Caucus and the you know, Freedom Caucus and the This Caucus. and So that gives you an idea of just what, where their mindset is. They're dealing with each other's well, it, caucuses. And I mean, Matthew, nothing could have been more of an indication of this than when Hunter Biden held that held, held that press conference and turned the tables on all of them. And they they, they didn't even seem to notice that they, that they they came back on the news like, look how he flaunted appearing in, in closed door hearings and like that's the message you took away? The rest of the country took away the message that this guy was right there and said he was going to testify, and you wouldn't let him. Yeah, like that. Nothing could prove the bubble more than that. Well, and if you watch the live coverage of that, you had Comer and uh, Jordan and everybody in this hallway, just with jammed with people walking back and forth, looking like idiots. I mean, to be honest, they looked like idiots, like they didn't even know what was going on, and then they have a. You know, if they, they, you know, this man is, you know, uh, trying to be above the law. This thing is lacking, and I've said this from the beginning. They've never presented a, like a storyboard with a real lawyer, not one of these guys, but somebody who is not a politician, saying this money went here, this went there, this, and show it dispassionately. 
And instead, they want to put on a big show so they can get on the various TV shows. And as a result, this thing is going nowhere. And even if it go- Well, but then again, if they had even done that right. I mean, just imagine, and I don't know if I covered this before, but at that day, Jim Jordan walks down the stairs, you know, without his little jacket in the freezing cold, right. and walks up that press conference and says, all right, big boy, we're, we're ready. You, you said you want to testify under oath? Penalty of perjury? Let's go. Follow me up there. We're going to do right. it. Right. Now, that is the kind of passion. That kind of excitement would have had would have led every news. But instead, they got. And instead, they, we we get the hallway press conference, right. looking like they're caught deer in the headlights. Well, with a zillion people around them, roaming from one side of the of the hallway to another. I mean, I, you know, what is it that some big producer from ABC News produced the January six hearings, and then uh, these people obviously have got, and it was good. Yeah. And it was good. And the Republicans have obviously <laughs> got Mickey the monkey doing their work because they don't have a clue. And, you know, James Comer, as I've said, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. He does not make a great appearance on TV. He should not be the spokesman for this thing because he is not, in my judgment, as a lawyer and as a communicator, he it's. He, he, he comes to the television screen having prejudged and never presents the evidence in a concise manner. Jim Jordan, I think, is much better. But they need to get somebody else to be, quote, the counsel for what they're doing and make a... Right, so, so, so some, right. somebody that you can't just... Right. Because the problem is any of these guys are congressmen with voting records, with other things they've That's said... Right. With all all the other nonsense that of anybody's record that goes as a congressman, so what you're talking about is you know some kind of a, a, somebody who comes in clean that nobody that, that probably nobody could even attack, right? Who says, "Hey, here here's what it was." Preferably, someone who has a history of being a Democrat who who was just hired to look find the truth. All right, so hey, you want you want to know something ironic? There is a new law coming in. Uh, this coming year called the Corporate <laughs> Transparency Act. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> so if you're in an LLC um, and you have 25% beneficial ownership or more, you have to register with the government your ownership, where you live, tell where they can find you. And all of this, by the way, was created to avoid people using LLCs to launder money. To hide things, so 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 it's the, it, it's almost like uh, the new Biden. You know, it's like we could call it um, Hunter's Law. Right, <laughs> it was created to do so, this. Imagine, imagine how fun these hearings would be if they had to have done that. Well, okay, so for this to become law, the president had to sign it. Okay, so why don't these yin yangs on Capitol Hill at the beginning of the year? ask the president and his family to comply with what what they want every other American to do retrospectively, retroactively, and tell everybody who owned what part of every LLC that they're involved with. Now, they won't do that because that actually requires, you know, some actual thinking. But what's good for the goose, you think of all the people in this country 
who who have some involvement in something that's an LLC or a partnership or whatever. Now, do you know what the penalty for missing this thing is? It's like $500 a day and jail time. So, of course, the GOP is just terrible at their messaging. They just can't do it. Not to me. Not to mention, I cannot imagine how many, how much assets are going to move offshore because well, of course law. it's moving. Nobody even considered it's this. Moving right Nobody now. Nobody even considered yeah, that. Moving right now. Okay. So, on from that to one other little topic, and that is the poll came out this week from Harvard. Oh, Matt, yeah. Matt, well, hold, yeah. hold on. Yeah. Oh, we can't possibly. We can't possibly. <laughs> I skipped the. Uh, uh, the, the fun little story about the uh, the naked pictures in the Senate hearing. Well, more than naked pictures. <laughs> There's some action going on. Um, yeah. That, so the, it's interesting because it broke. Uh, I think the Daily Caller was the first to break it. Breitbart had it. Then it went mainstream. Then NBC News was accused of trying to make it political against conservatives by saying conservative sites were pushing this issue. Um, I think everybody sees irony in this, and that is you had people walking through the Capitol on the 6th of January years ago, and they're all going to jail and big inf- investigations and everything. Oh, they're in jail awaiting trial. Right, right. With, yeah. But, uh, no day. But you got these two guys, you know, doing it in the very hearing room where most of the recent Supreme Court justices have been confirmed, they held their hearings, where I believe uh, the 9-11 hearings took place. And I certainly know, maybe the January 6th hearings as well, I certainly know, this is in the Hart Building, Hart Senate Office Building, which is the newest building. And then uh, also, I believe the Russia Russia stuff took place there. So it's it's sort of like all of that stuff and then this. So they, they, they were on capital property right. without authorization right. and uh, breaking breaking the law in, in, engaged in behavior that uh, could definitely be considered as at, at uh, easiest. Uh, unbecoming. You know, just <laughs> well, uh, unbecoming. But I mean, you know, they're definitely trespassing. But they are not in the well, DC okay, let me, jail let me stop, awaiting let me, trial. Let me stop you on the. They're not definitely trespassing. There's an issue as to that because the hearing room was open and they're authorized. At least one of them oh. authorized. You know, as a as a Senate staffer. Now, is this authorized behavior in no, there? I, mean, look, the, I can't parse through the law because <laughs> I don't know the law up there. But what I can tell you this is that um, <laughs> it's going to melt away. Nothing will come of it. Um, meanwhile, they took a statue at Arlington Memorial and we're just tearing it down. It was a, you know, a, some sort of a monument to Confederate soldiers, but it was supposed to be an admonition of how it's called, the, I can't remember the name, but basically the reconciliation because it showed how the South came back to, to, to the Union. But of course, that's a no, no. Oh, well, that, that yeah, cer- yeah. certainly take down anything that refers to reconciliation, bringing the country back together. That's a terrible right, idea. Exactly. So, I mean, the, everybody knows where the priorities are. Nothing's changed. But I do want to get to one other thing. This really touches on younger voters. We talked about older voters earlier. So, there's a Harris poll, Harvard Harris, and that's our friend Mark Penn, fine pollster. I believe that's Mark. Uh, 60% of those who are 18 to 24 in America believe that Israel should be eliminated 
and that the genocide, they believe that what took place by Hamas was genocide, but that it was justified. Now, we got a big problem in this country. If 60% of the kids in college or of college age have that opinion. And there's no question you've got, you, you've got two things that we're looking at. Well, first of all, I, let, me, let me also second that I have a lot of respect for Mark Penn, and I think he does yes. good work, too. So I, I put a lot of credence in what he says. Um, these, these numbers here, what they do is tell me, I believe they're one, they're influenced by an education system that is off the rails. Um, and second, I think they're directly influenced by what's been going on and what messages they've been receiving on TikTok. We don't, I mean, this has been a real focus of TikTok for the last year. Right. And, and it really intensified, um, you know, we first felt it, actually it's been a couple of years, we first felt it after the uh, first Israeli-Hamas conflict, and we came out and said it two years ago, that, the, the you know, this younger group that leans Democrat is also leaning anti anti-Israel and, and, and pro-Palestine. Right. Nobody believed right. us. But this is a real problem. And I think TikTok has had a un, uh, just unfair share of impact on Well, that and the university professors. Uh, the, the other thing is, I, as you recall, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about how there, and this started back in the 90s with the Million Man March, but there has been a significant move among the African-American community for there to be an embracement of Islam, Islamic principles, um, and sort of a departure from the traditional Christian uh, background that you saw among African-Americans back 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It started with Malcolm X back in the 60s, and then it really took off uh, with the Million Man March and some of the other leaders. But there was another poll, I don't have it here handy, and the headline was African-Americans increasingly siding with Palestine in the battle for public opinion between Israel and, and the Palestinians and, quote, Hamas. This is something that I don't think is, um, I don't think they're decoupled. I think that there has been well-organized community organization both at the university level and also in the community of younger African-Americans to um, use the concept of colonization um, and or in some uh, one might say decolonization to, to get away from colonization um, to, to try to shift opinion and center it around various issues and meld them into one, which is why some of the protesters you saw, the BLM stuff in 2020, they've been identified as being right out there in this, this, these pop-up protests that take place uh, that are pro-Palestine. Now, our job is not to make a moral determination, Robert, as you know. Our job is to poll and to analyze. Again, if you're on the other side of this, if you are pro-Israel, let me say it again. You are losing the ball game. And you're losing it not just over a matter of years, but over a matter of the last month. Um, I know that uh, the Israeli government has been showing um, uh, a sort of a documentary of the horrid things that took place on October 7th um, to select people uh, in Israel. There was a story coming out that, you know, uh, some 
Islamic leaders came out and said, that is not us. That's not, this was horrible, terrible to see. They're blowing it. You don't build your culture. Well, the, fa- the fact that those leaders had to say that tells you just how fa- effective what Israel put together right. is. And if, if they want to start affecting public opinion, at, it, even with blurs, that stuff needs to be out there on mainstream television. I cannot believe, and, and I add, I cannot believe that, that the, the people who support Israel, conservatives, Republicans, truly are being suckered in by these polls and, and the like and believing that a year from now, they're going to say that the economy's bad, that a year from now, they're going to say that Israel's good, that a year from now, they're going to say the border is not secure because all of this stuff is going to shift and it's going to hit them like an anvil. And once again, the, the Republican strategists and consultants are going to be standing there trying to educate a public and say, but, 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 these are the millions of people who, who cross through the border. And, and the Democrats will say, well, we fixed that. And they'll say, but, 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 there was an atrocity in Israel, but, but you don't see all the terrible things that Israel has done to the Palestinians. I mean, it's going to be one, two, three. And it, and it, would, be, it would be so easy for them to take also the clips of some of these young people who are in these protests being asked questions. Yeah, where they don't know about anything. The, or, or, you know, do you know, do you know, for example, how, the, how you know, the Palestinians feel about uh, what Sharia law means for women, what Sharia law means for homosexuals, what it means for all these different groups. And just like, hey, you know, you're so liberal and, and, and you, I know that you don't, under, these aren't values you believe, so, the fact that you're in line with people who do have these values, right. it is, you know, it only can reflect your ignorance because what, what this really is when you get right back down to it is this is a total rejection of Western civilization. Yep. And what is scary to me is the whole post-World War II consensus of everything from what the borders are to be to, you know, what liberal, you know, classic liberal democracies are supposed to right. do and what it's supposed to look like. All of that is being questioned now. And then you've got, you've got Russia, China, and, and the global South putting together an alternative. And, and it's just right. like, this is, this is the next conflict, and they're winning over the people inside of our country right. now. Well, here's another thing I want to say. Um, as, as, as a one who's never been polled, <laughs> probably a damn good thing. <laughs> um, I, well, it's a good thing for the pollster. Yeah, good for the, let me just assure you, when I get polled, they don't yeah, like no, well, what yeah, I exactly. Say. Well, so, so I'm sitting here all of a sudden going through my history and trying to think, well, maybe the Palestinians have been given a raw deal. Now, when I'm thinking that, I'm not saying that that's what I believe, but I'm saying that, you know, if my wife has asked the same thing. Well, what, what is it that they want? Well, the problem is, if you hear what they want, they want the elimination of Israel. <laughs> okay? That's really what they want. But you got too many open-minded people in this country who don't know any better, and they're not being educated, and they're beginning to believe Hamas is an equivalent of Israel. They're not. Israel's a sovereign state. Hamas is a terrorist organization. But <laughs> we said it before. And, and Hamas is hurting their ability to do what... I mean, the thing is, I feel like we were really close a couple of times to getting a Palestinian state. Yep. 
But but some of the prerequisites to get there are both sides agreeing to live in harmony. And while Israel has agreed to that, the Palestinians would not. And And the thing is, what Hamas is most afraid of is a, a coexisting Palestinian state. Of course. And and it is Saudi Arabia setting up. I mean, there is no question in my mind that the, the timing of this had to do with the timing of the, the naturalization of relationship with, with, between Israel and Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is what they fear. They fear that. Piece. And let me, let me bring this back to the comment I made. And they're working against it. Let me bring it. this back to the comment that I made a few minutes ago about some of the changes and shift in the in the uh, attitudes in the African American community, which we poll often, um, in Atlanta, my home city, where I grew up, hometown, uh, where I lived for many years, um, it's been a national story. The city, uh, along with a group of law enforcement agencies in the South, decided that they wanted to create a training center for police officers for the exact reason that the riots in 2020 took place, and that is to train them in the proper ways to deal with various situations. A group of anarchists, whatever, allegedly, I don't know if it's BLM folks, but they give the impression that they are standing up for the same things as the group in 2020 that rioted and protested around the country, burned down the Wendy's in Atlanta, and got slapped on on the hand. So they have been doing everything they can, including, you know, basically violence at this location in Atlanta to eliminate this training center. So to your point, Hamas, Hamas really doesn't want a Palestinian state. They do that. They have no raison d'etre to continue to create chaos. Um, these groups don't. Just like, just like you're saying, the people in Atlanta don't really want police officers to do things which don't cause violence. They want and That's the right. They don't want the training. And guess what? They don't want to be and trained. Of course, and this has been documented, a lot of the folks who've been involved in that stuff in Atlanta are folks who came in from other parts of the country. It's the same organization. I get to this thing, and I, it's, it, this is a tip of the hat, a political tip of the hat to a bunch of folks who otherwise I don't agree with. Community organizing. They're great at it. Republicans are good at going to cocktail parties and telling each other that I won't have this person in my country club because he insults too many people. That's all I have to say about that. Now, Robert, who is the most unpopular national figure in politics? I thought it was us. No, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> the most, un- and I love it. Now, to, to, hear, to, hear some, yeah. to hear some of the liberal, to hear some of the liberal political websites. I guess that's what made me think that. Uh, no, right. you know, we think about politicians. Who do you think it is this well, year? I, know I don't know who, who it is. I think there, it there, is. A poll was just released, at least of members of Congress, leaders of Congress and the like. Mitch McConnell came in at a whopping 9% approval rate. Well, that is exactly who I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, look, talk, talk about the Grinch who stole Christmas. God, God bless <laughs> poor man. I mean, he's had his, his health problems this year, and I, I, I don't know him. I'm sure that those who work with him, you know, he's, there's always two sides to every story. But I will say this. This is not the face you want to put on the 2024 give me the Senate control effort, period. So – 
They need to absolutely remember how we used to use Nancy Pelosi in everything yeah. that oh, we were yeah. doing. Oh yeah, back in the L consultant days. I remember that. And so the thing is, it it makes sense. He's going to put this guy back in power. I mean, first of all, you don't even have to wonder whether it's a good idea now. Let's let's go back to January of 2021 when the Democrats were running around saying, "Hey." Uh, Trump said, you know, Trump said he's for everybody getting $2,000. The Democrats said they're for everybody getting $2,000. The reason you're not getting it and you're only getting 600 in this next stimulus is Mitch McConnell. And so you make it, when you vote for these two to be in the Senate, they're going to vote for Mitch. You're not getting your money. You vote for the other two. They're going to vote for Schumer. You are going to get your money. Yep. So they used Mitch in 2021 to win those two Senate elections. No matter what anybody tells you, that election was about the difference between $2,000 and $600. So, so Robert, we're, we've run late this time, so I'm going to ask you one last question. What do you want for <laughs> Christmas? You know, if I had to pick one, one thing, I would – Everybody, I'm I'm one of those guys who loves political humor, and I really, and, and despite some of the some of the skits that I think are across the line, uh, Saturday Night Live, I want to see them do. They made fun of everything, and they made fun of Biden. They make fun of Trump. I want to see a good good skit that makes fun of Kamala Harris and and her lack of intellect. That's what I would like for Christmas. Well, you've got a really heavy Christmas uh, uh, desire. Mine is very simple. Um, we're having this, I think it's El Nino. I can never get them straight. And my mother used to call it El Nino, which I always thought was funny because it is mean. La Nina and El Nino. Yeah, I, th I think we're having the L, but I can't say. I'm not a meteorologist. But I know something's happening, and I want it to get warmer and quit raining in – South and Central Florida. I, my golf is being ruined. We got, uh, my neighbors got flooded out, some of them, from a storm that came through that made, it was like a mini hurricane this last weekend. It's freezing here. I think the high today is like in the 50s. Tomorrow it's barely going to get in the 60s. This is not helping my golf game, not that anything does. So, well, it's very simple. I just want some nice weather for Christmas. That's it. All right, so, so wait a minute. So I've got a big ask. And, but yet, your ask has to come from the creator. Let's think well, about I got that. A lot, I don't think my ask I got is a, as big I got as a lot better chance of getting what I want from the creator than you do from the writers on SNL. That may be true. Your SOL, I've got a chance. All right, on that note, <laughs> oh, Robert, let's tell, we've not told our listeners. Okay, so we are going to be polling Iowa numerous times we're also going to have a combined tracking poll that you can only hear on this podcast going into those last two weeks and yeah you you can look online but it won't matter there's only one place you're going to find it it'll be here. It, 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 it'll be on this podcast and it'll take days for it to make it into the media if it ever so does <laughs> the best way to, if it ever does it'll certainly make on some of the political right um, poll tracking sites right. But the, but the best way to know what, what's going on is to listen here. And we're going to have this thing. This thing is between our two companies, and, and we're going to combine the poll, but it's going to reflect a, a rolling track yep. every single night in Iowa. And it's going to be, we feel very, 
we feel like it's going to be um, one of the most unique things you'll you'll be able to see in any kind of podcasting anywhere. So with that note, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. We'll be back with our next edition of Polling Plus. Until then, I'm Matt Towery with the Bowtied one himself, Robert Cahaley. Merry Christmas, everyone, and please get the weather warmer in Florida.